0: The topic I want to deal with today is entitled, The Fear of God. Somebody should get excited on that one. Exodus chapter 20. I want to read verse 18 to verse 21. Exodus chapter 20. And I speak to you today on the fear of God. Exodus 20. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear. I want to say, Do not, fear. Do not fear. For God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you. I want to say, His fear. His fear. I want you to notice Moses said to them, Do not fear, but God has come to test you that his fear may be in you. When you read this verse, verse 20, you notice the word fear is used twice. Moses said to them, do not fear. For God has come to test you so that his fear might be in you. The first time Moses uses the word fear. And the second time he uses the word fear. You've got to understand both are not the same. Let's read it this way. Moses said to them, do not be afraid. Some people are afraid of God. But they don't have the fear of God. You can be afraid of God. But not have the fear of God. These are two different things. We should not be afraid of God. We should have the fear of God. Is somebody here what I'm saying this morning? Do not fear. For God has come to test you. And that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. You see, of all the Christian character or virtue that needs to be developed, there is none that compares to the fear of God. We can talk about love. We can talk about patience. We can talk about all the Christian virtues and character that you can develop. I believe there is not one that compares to the fear of God. The fear of God comes top of all the Christian virtue and character that any believer can develop or can cultivate. I want you to notice right here that God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt using Moses, the man of God. And God was about to give them an opportunity of a lifetime. God said to Moses, I want you to bring my people before me. Because I want to put my fear into them. When I put my fear into them, they will love me and they will serve me and they will live for me all the days of their lives. God was about to give them an encounter that will change their lives. God was about to give them an experience that will stay with them the rest of their lives. And so he says to Moses, I want you to bring them to me. This was an opportunity to live in his presence forever. This was an opportunity to experience the awesomeness of God, but to carry that on the inside of you. And so God said to Moses, bring them before me because I want to reveal myself to them. But what was it God wanted to reveal to Israel? God wanted to reveal the fear of God to them. But you see the text we read. The Bible says "And when they saw and when they heard All the stuff, the thunderings and the flashing lights and, and all that they saw, they ran away because they were afraid. No, God did not want them to be afraid of him. God wanted them to come in contact with him that his fear may be planted in their hearts. There is nothing that will keep you with God. There is nothing that will keep you in the things of God. There is nothing that will keep you going in your Christian life if it is not the fear of God. If you don't have the fear of God, you might be here today but gone tomorrow. What keeps you and what will keep keeping you is the fear of God that is planted in your heart. All the stuff we do in church. I believe that as we come before the presence and the glory of God, he wants to put his fear in his people because he knows that when his fear is planted in his people, they will live for him all the days of their lives. And I pray today that the fear of God will be planted in your heart. You know, there are things that you cannot teach. There are things that can only be caught. The fear of God is not what you teach. Praise God, I'm teaching and preaching today. But for you that is sitting and listening, this is something you must catch. If you don't catch it, it's going to fly over your head. You've got to catch this. Tell someone you need to catch this. Notice God says, let me introduce my fear to my people. Bring them to me. That I might introduce myself to them, bring them to me, that I might put my fear in them. But when they have the opportunity to encounter the fear of God, so that the fear of God will stay with them all the days of their lives. The Bible tells us that they said to Moses, do not let God speak to us. We cannot handle this. You speak to God and talk to us. We cannot take it. And because they would not take it, they never rose to the place where God wanted them to rise up to. A lot of people in the church have what I call shallow relationship with God. But God wants to take you deeper into the realm of the spirit. God wants to take you deeper into the realm of his presence. God wants to take you deeper into the realm of what he wants to do in your life. And until God takes you to that place where the fear of God is planted in your heart, you live every waking moment, every single day, every single day, Every single week, every single month, you can never rise up to the place where God wants you to rise up to and accomplish the fullness of the purpose of God for your life. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. This was an opportunity. This was an experience. This was something God was introducing to his people and I believe that God is introducing that to his people here today. I believe God wants everyone in this place whether you're watching by way of the internet or you're sitting in the sanctuary to be a man or a woman that understands the fear of God. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That is the reason why so many are not operating in the wisdom of God because God cannot have you operate in his wisdom when he fear is not in you the Bible says the fear of God is to depart from evil and the evil way that is the reason why many are still dabbling with sin that is the reason why many are still compromising why because the fear of God is not there when the fear of God is there there will be no room for compromise When the fear of God is there, there will be no room for stupidity. When the fear of God is there, I guarantee you, you will live a life that will bring God glory and you will have to do less praying when it comes to dealing with devils. Because the reason why many are doing so much prayer when it comes to dealing with devils is because they open the door to the devil to mess up their lives as they compromise and as they do things that does not bring God glory, the doors of their lives are open and devils come and that is why they keep fighting devils and fighting devils. I'm here to tell you this morning that when you live a life of the fear of God, you don't have to fight devils every moment, you just live a life that brings God glory and God will be the one dealing with with the devils against your life come on now somebody shout hallelujah Hallelujah. doors are open because of the things people do but when you live a life of the fear of God when before you make that decision you ask yourself the question what is God going to say before you take that step you ask yourself the question what if Jesus was standing here with me will he do the same thing Are you listening to what I'm saying this morning? You see, the fear of God will protect you. Tell your neighbor, the fear of God will protect you. The fear of God will protect you. Come on, talk like you mean it. My God. Am I at the river this morning? The fear of God will protect you. Come on now, shout hallelujah. I'm going to show you one example. Here in the book of Numbers chapter 16. Go with me to Numbers chapter 16. And I'm probably going to calm down a little bit. So that you will understand. What I'm about to t- talk to you about today. Numbers chapter 16. Have you found it? Yes. Numbers 16. We read from verse number 1. Now Korah the son of Izhar, The son of Kohath. The son of Levi. From Dathan. Or with Dathan Ab- and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. I want to say, took men, Amen. and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, two hundred and fifty leaders of the congregation. I want to say, these men were leaders. Come on, say it like you mean it. These men were leaders. 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. That was the men of, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face and he spoke to Korah and all his company saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom the Lord chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Do this. Take censers. Korah and all your company. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Some of you will say Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them, and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, we will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? That you should keep acting like a prince over us? Are you you seeing the attitude? Anyone picking up the attitude here? Who do you think you are? You've not even brought us into the land of promise. You act like a prince. Who are you? You call yourself a prophet. Everyone in the camp is holy. Don't exalt yourself above them. Who do you think you are? That's the attitude. Can someone see that? Let's go back to verse number 40. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey. Nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. I'm reading it with their attitude. I'm trying trying as much as I can to dramatize the attitude of those men. We are not coming. What have you given to us? You told us you're going to take us to a land flowing with milk and honey. You haven't done it. Could do you think you're bad attitude? Tell someone the bad attitude. bad attitude. You know they say attitude determines altitude. Let me say that again. It is said that attitude determines altitude. Your attitude is going to determine where you will go to. It is going to determine how far God can take you. It's going to determine how much God can use you. Your attitude is going to determine the outcome of your life. Somebody needs to write that down. Attitude determines altitude. Altitude, altitude means to increase, but your attitude is what's going to determine how far you are going to go. My God, some people have a stinking attitude. Terrible attitude. Even when they deal with God, they have a bad attitude towards God. Even during their prayer time, they have a bad attitude when they pray. Oh. Verse number 15, Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they as well as Aaron. Let us take let each take his censer and put incense in it. And each of you bring his censer before the Lord. Two hundred and fifty censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah guarded all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation and the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron saying separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Oh my God. All this stuff that's happening in the camp did not go unnoticed. There is nothing you do that goes unnoticed. God may not seem To act immediately. But he's going to act. Oh my God. Somebody needs to get that. It may seem as if you're getting away with it. But you can never get away with it. Because God will never let you go scot-free. It seemed at the time as Korah and his men had this bad attitude towards the prophet Moses. It seemed as if God did not say anything. But God heard everything. Everyone said God heard everything. Tell your neighbor there is nothing hidden before God. Even the stuff that is discussed in your bedroom. Yeah, go ahead and say it. Even the things that you discuss in your bedroom. Even the thoughts of your mind. Even the thoughts of your mind. There is nothing hidden before God. God sees all. And God hears all. And watch this, it seemed as if God was not even involved, but God said to Moses, hey, you and Aaron, you've got to separate yourselves from this congregation, that I might do it. Consume them in a moment. Watch verse 22, then they fell on their faces and said, oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation?" This is the man they were criticizing. And this is the man that's pleading. Oh my God. What grace. What grace. What what grace. This man was the one that was being criticized and he was the one that was still pleading. You know why? Because this man had an experience of the fear of God. And he knew what was going to happen to them. And guess what? He said, Lord, will one man sin and you judge the whole congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 23, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Now I need you to understand. These men were called wicked men. These men were called wicked men. But don't forget, they were ministers. Don't forget, they were from the tribe of what? Levi. Levi, Levi was the tribe of the priesthood. These men were not ordinary men. These men were men of renown. These were important, influential men in the camp. And when Israel came out of Egypt, there were about 1.5 million people. So at this time, we are probably looking at 2.5 million people in the congregation of the people of Israel. And these men were no mere men. These were the influential men in the congregation. Moses refers to them as what? Wicked men. Can you see that? Oh my God, you guys are quiet on me this morning. I'm probably, probably hitting home today. Get out of the camp of these wicked men. Don't mingle with them. Look at verse 25. Then Moses rose and went to death, and we've read that, right? Yeah, verse 26, 26, right? 27. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives. I want to say their wives, their sons, and their little ones. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. For I have done None of these things on my own will. If these men die naturally, like all men, or if they are visited by the common faith of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. My God. Now it came to pass as they finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods. So they all, so they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry. For they said, lest the earth will swallow us up also. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Skip to verse number 41. Now we see that these men are gone, right? Look at verse 41. On the next day, everyone said the next day. All the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and against Aaron saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Did Moses kill them? Who did? Oh, you cannot speak now. Now you're quiet. Moses did not kill them. The Lord himself opened up the earth and the earth swallowed them. Now Moses is accused of killing all those people. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud, everyone said the cloud. cloud. That speaks of the glory of God. The cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it uh, from the altar. Put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it. Uh, as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people so he put in the incense and made atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living so the plague was stopped now those who died in the plague were 14,700 beside those who died in the, in the Korah incident Incident. so Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting for the plague had stopped. There are three things that I'm going to share with you from that story. Number one, speaking behind Moses. Someone told me, someone came to see me here in the church, this was years ago, and the guy said to me, I walked into this office in Osmambe and I saw some people that were, that were there talking about you. And he said to me, what they were saying about you was very bad. But the more he sat with me and talked with me, he just realized that what they were saying about me were wrong. He said, I've been sitting with you and talking with you, and I've realized that all they've been saying about you are wrong. But people can sit in a place and talk about you. And they do. You have people who just like to speak negatively about the ministry, negatively about the minister, negatively even about or against the church that they worship. It will shock you when you hear people speaking negatively about their church. If someone came to me and starts speaking negatively about their church, it will surprise me. I mean, I had someone call me all the way from Germany. The guy called me all the way from Germany and he was complaining about his pastor to me. You know what I did? Do you know what I did? I called the pastor. I was going to take side with the pastor. He called me from Germany to talk about his pastor in a negative way. No, if you have an issue with him, go to him. Why call me to tell me about your pastor and try to poison my heart? This man is my friend. This man has invited me more than anyone has invited me to preach in any church in Germany. And you have the guts to call me and speak negatively about him? What... Happened between you and him that you couldn't go to talk to him about. And you know some people will think, well, Pastor Godwin, I want to tell you because you have wisdom to deal with it. Don't you have wisdom to deal with it? Are you so dumb? (laughs) No, you're trying to poison me. And I did what I had to do. I called the pastor and I said to the pastor, this brother called me and boom, 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 boom are the things he said about you. That is the reason why, one of the reasons why, as a minister, when you travel to preach, don't go about taking people's numbers. And don't be giving your numbers to them, because they might call you to criticize their pastor. And it is not my place to resolve it. I cannot pastor this and pastor that. Come on now, I'm preaching good. Amen. Some of you are so quiet on me this morning. But I know that the word is the truth. The truth. Just speaking negatively. It's terrible to just be negative. This is the first thing that I want to show you here. These men, they got together, notice the Bible says they took men. Everyone said they took men. They took men and they began to connive and to conspire. In the case of Korah, his poison was made known. I was say his poison was made known. Do you know why his poison was made known? Because he couldn't hold it. He said it to Moses. In actual fact, I prefer this kind. Let me know that you don't like it. Let me know that you are upset. Let me know the way you feel. I can handle this better than the one who is speaking behind, and you don't know what they are planning and plotting and conniving and poisoning the hearts of other people. I will rather have Cora. I don't want Cora, but I'll rather have no. In comparison, in comparison to those that are speaking behind, they're talking behind, they're all kinds of stuff happening behind. Uh, this is better. Cora is better. Because when Korah confronts you and tells you how terrible you are and tells you how unhappy he is with you and tells you how he's not satisfied, at least you can confront that situation and resolve it or show them the door. There are only two ways to deal with it. Resolve it or tell them to leave. Because in the case of Korah, you know that this man made his issues public. Correct? Correct? Moses was aware of it. He said to Moses, you're taking too much on yourself. Who do you think you are? Making yourself look like a prince of other people of God. Who do you think you are? Making yourself look special. But no, that was not the testimony of God. That was the testimony of a man with a wicked heart. Moses, the Bible tells us that Moses was the meekest man on the earth. That is the testimony of God. God saw Moses as the meekest, humblest man on the earth. But Korah saw Moses as a man with a chip on his shoulders. As a man who felt he was better than the rest of them. Because the heart of Korah was a wicked heart. There is, listen to me. Until the fear of God comes into people, their hearts will never be changed. That is the reason why you've got to understand. This is not what you can teach. This is you can teach it, but until people catch it, it's not going to work. You've got to catch this. I told you when I started. This is a subject that is so dear to my heart. The fear of God is God's delight. The fear of God is God's delight. On Wednesdays, for two Wednesdays, I was preaching from the book of Isaiah chapter 11, where it talks about the seven spirits of God. And I should keep reading the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of, uh, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. I pray that God will baptize you in the spirit of the fear of God. Can someone say amen? Amen. The moment you walk in and people stop talking there is a conspiracy. I made reference to this. I talked about this I guess it was a week or two weeks ago. You you, you discover when you come into a place and people suddenly stop talking there is something that they're doing that is evil. And they are basically saying to you, you are not welcome. When you are around, we don't talk about this. But when you are not around, they talk about this. But when you walk in, they stop talking. It means you are not part of this because you are different. I want to be different. I say I want to be different. I want to be different. I might be the only one that is different, but I want to be different. I'm not going to follow multitude to commit evil. I'm going to be different. The fact that everyone has got a consensus on the subject does not mean they are right. I want to be different. When I come into the place, you need to stop talking. When I come into the place, you need to stop your evil. When I come into the place, you need to stop that conspiracy. Because I'm a man of God. And before I became a man of God, I was a child of God. And as a child of God, I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm not going to welcome that. That cannot be done when I'm around. And that is a kind of attitude and character that God wants to develop in his people. And until that happens, they are missing a big time. That is why so many are not getting blessed. They are not seeing the promotion. They are not seeing the increase. Because they just talk behind Moses. You can't talk behind the ministry and behind the man of God and behind, and expect God to honor you. God don't honor that. God don't honor that because that is a curse. And God never blesses a curse. Watch this conspiracy here. They were getting together. They were speaking against Moses. And Korah had the courage. He had the boldness to come confront Moses. And he did. But guess what? He has done this to his own detriment. Everyone say to his own detriment. You need to be careful. People who speak well before you, but behind you, they're speaking, spewing out poison. Be careful of them. Be careful of them. The same man who called me all the way from Germany to criticize his pastor might call somebody else to criticize me. Big time. That's how it works. And the moment you open your ears as if your ears are trash cans, and you begin to listen to their garbage, it's going to seem as if you have a great relationship with them because what? You are listening to them, and hey, that's fine, you encourage them. But, but, three months later, you will be the subject. Those who listen to gossip will be gossiped. Those who listen will be gossiped. You listen to people come talk trash into your ears. Guess what? You are going to be the next topic. And when you become the topic, don't be upset. That's the reason why when you hear people start to open your mouth and gossip, that's when you need to rebuke them immediately. Come on now. The Bible says, which will help those that are weak. Because that's a sign of spiritual weakness. That's a sign of a lack of godly character. A great... A man just passed on right now in the body of Christ and it's become a big deal. People have asked me the question, what do you think about this preacher? I said to them, I was not thinking about him. What's the problem with people always wanting to have your opinion about another person? Go to God and ask God what he thinks about him. Why are you asking me? Am I the man to validate the man? So what if I tell you that the man is a great man of God? What will you do? No, you are not asking because you think he's a great man of God. You are asking because you have an op- a polluted opinion already. See, when people come ask you questions like that, don't, don't be a fool to think like, oh, they want to learn. No, they already have an opinion. They're just asking you so that you confirm it. What do you think about that man of God? Hey, bro, I'm not thinking about him. I'm minding my business. Can someone shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. I am minding my business. It is not my business to get involved in other people's business. The Bible refers to people like that as busybodies. And the Bible says we shouldn't be busybodies. It is when you have nothing to do that you start prognosing into everyone's business. It is when you are jobless that you start thinking about people and talking about people. Come on now. Somebody said to me, I walked into this office and guys were sitting there. In an office? You're sitting in an office talking about a pastor who did not even care? I've never seen stones thrown at a tree that's got no fruit. Somebody will get that next week. (laughs) Nobody throws stones at a tree with no fruit. It is when the tree has fruit that you throw stones at it. And by their fruit you shall know them. So when people can sit in an office and just talk against the man of God, it means that they are jobless. And some of you that are office owners and business owners, it's time for you to begin to kick people that are busybodies out of your office. Because they're coming in there to pollute your office and to infiltrate your office with their evil. When people open their mouths and begin to speak like this, you've got to understand they are releasing something into your office. And you know about it. If you know about it, you nip it in the bud. You tell them, hey, bro, this office is not for gossips. You leave this place and you never come back. Go on, Jack. Don't you never come back. Don't come back. Don't ever come back. I don't want to see you here ever again. Oh, you are mean. No, I'm not mean. No, I'm trying to protect myself. Oh, you are mean. No, I'm not mean. I'm trying to protect the people of God. Oh, you are mean. No, I'm not mean. I'm trying to protect my heart. Be careful of people who speak nice in front of you and speak negatively behind you. Two-faced. The word hypocrisy means two-faced. Two-faced. I want to say two-faced. two-faced. One face? Oh, uh-huh, laughing. One the other face look like that that's a per, that's a wolf in sheep clothing. And I've got a responsibility. One of my responsibilities is to take out my no my rod I use the staff for the sheep. I use the, the rod for the wolves. My rod and my staff, they comfort me. That is, you know. I've got a staff and I've got a rod. Right? Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. 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 Thy rod and thy staff. There's something you do with the rod. And, and listen, you beat people off. You do what? Beat them off. Beat them off. Oh, don't look at me that way. Some of you know, uh, the church is a hospital. Where do you find that in the Bible? (laughs) The the church is a hospital. Every sick person should come. Hey, my brother. Hey, my sister. Who who told you that? The church is a hospital. No, the church is not a hospital. The church is a house of God. The Bible says we have become members of the household of God. Who told you the church is a hospital? And then someone would say the church is a bakery. Oh, yeah, because if the church is a hospital, then the church might be a bakery too. Before you know the church is something that the Bible does not say the church is. No, the church is the house of God. The house of God, with people of God that coming there. Yes, many are still struggling with all kinds of things of the flesh. Oh, oh, oh yes, we've got to help those people. But when you just see that some people are not willing to make any kind of adjustment, they are just there to cause trouble, they are just there to infiltrate the hearts of other people with their evil, then you've got to do something about it. That's what you also have to do with your children. I am a husband, I have a wife, and I've got children. You can't come into my house to mess up. I'm going to to kick you. I'm... (laughs) Even though it's summer, I'm going to go to my where I put my winter boots, put them on, and kick you with my. I'll kick you so hard because you can't come mess with my wife. You can't come mess with my children. I'm not going to let you do that. Now, if I'm not going to let you come mess with my family, why will I let anyone come mess with the family of God? Why should you let anyone come mess with your business? Are you now getting the picture? This is important. So, the first thing. He was, uh, they were speaking behind his back. Number two. Number two thing that you've got to understand in the story. You've got to keep fighting to keep your heart clean. <coughs> keep fighting. You've, listen, it's a fight to keep your heart clean. The closer you get to the ministry or the minister, the more you have to keep your heart clean. When I listen to me I've been with Pastor Corey now for 22 years I want said 22, 22 years and I'm honored it's an honor Spiritual parenting does not have anything to do with age You can be 20 and be the spiritual parent of a man of 25 It has nothing to do with age natural age birth age are you listening to me? When I came into this church and I understood and I knew in my heart, this place is home. But also be- because of the background that I, that I came from, I, I, I began to make some necessary steps to get close to the man of God. That was the necessary steps. Necessary. I made some necessary intentional steps to get close to Pastor Corey. What were the steps? My wife and I, not just Pastor Corey, Pastor Rose, Pastor Hamdi, Pastor Leila, we made some steps. We didn't make those steps because we wanted a position. We made those steps because we understood the importance of honor. And we did not really, to be honest with you, at the time, we didn't really have a lot of financial seed. So we had to sow other kinds of seeds. I many of if you know, everything you do is seed. And you may not have money as seed, but you have your energy, you have your strength. Is that correct? And so what we began to do, Pastor Corey, particularly, I would go to him, and whenever he was moving apartment, guess who was there to help him? Moi. I was the one. I did stuff that many others would not do. Maybe because of their pride. But I had to humble myself and I, be, I began to show him that whenever you need a man, he's here. Intentional steps. That was intentional steps. <laughs> I can take you to the Kutulish, this Kutulish area. I can take you from one house to the other because I know those houses where Pastor Corey lived. I can take you to those houses. I can even take you to where it's on the Asian side, but now of course it's in America. But I can take you to those houses, and I can tell you categorically that when he was moving, I was there because I had said to him, "You, you call me." Hey, uh, God will. Yes, Pastor. Uh, where are you at? Uh, can you come help me tomorrow? Oh yeah, Pastor. I'm coming. I'm moving apartment. Come help me move stuff, and I will be there we 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 even proposed listen listen carefully because what I'm about what I'm sharing with you right now are things birthed out of the fear of God you don't tell me i honor god but don't honor the man of god don't tell me that that's a lie how can you love god you don't see and don't love the man you see how can you honor god you do not see and don't honor the man you see and don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching a message about me today. I'm just trying to help you. And I'm trying to give you an example of how I lived my life and how I still live my life. Because I want it to be a blessing to you. Amen. So we offered, when you want to iron your clothes, call me. My wife will go clean their house. My, I will go. I, my wife was cleaning the windows and I was ironing their clothes. That relationship also came under pressure. It came under attack by my own people. Because the moment you begin to get close to your pastor, people begin to talk. But they are not willing to do what you did. came under attack from my people listen carefully when I say my people Africans he came under attack from his own Turkish people he has been attacked for being close to me I have been attacked for being close to him it is nothing but an exposure of the wickedness of the heart it's an exposure of the wickedness of the heart Because to the man whose heart is pure, all things are pure. But to the man whose heart is polluted, everything is polluted. Because they have their own special set of glasses that they look with or they see with. So we began to take steps. Intentional steps. That was intentional steps. And oh my God. Attack. Or attacks. People attacking you because you are close. Look at the ministry of Jesus. I just recorded... I just recorded... uh, I think I have a few more classes to go, but I'm recording right now for Bible school, online Bible school. I'm recording New Testament survey. And as I'm recording New Testament survey... (laughs) I came across this thing again, this thing that John the Beloved had with Jesus. When you read the book of John, the Gospel of John, he said, I am the disciple that Jesus loved. The Bible described John or describes John as the disciple who had his head on Jesus' breast at the communion table. Jesus had a favorite. Deal with it. Deal with it. There are things you do to get close. When, listen. When Nadab and Abihu, the, the sons of Aaron, when they offered strange fire in the presence of God, I don't know if you remember the story they had gone into the presence of God and they took their own fire. No, you don't take your own fire into the place. God's fire, God is an all-consuming fire. His fire consumes the sacrifice. Don't come with your own fire. But the sons of Aaron, who knew how to present themselves in the tabernacle or in the presence of God, decided today, we shall take our own. Abihu, yeah? Let's cook up our own fire. So here they come. With their what? With their own fire. The Bible refers to their fire as strange fire. So when they came before God with their strange fire, the Bible tells us that the fire of God consumed both of them. Because they shouldn't come to the presence of God with their own fire. God is an all-consuming fire. Don't bring yours. Now watch this. Aaron had four sons. Right? Uh, Eliezer, Nadab, Abihu, Itzama. So now Nadab and Abihu are dead. So Aaron wants to cry. God said to Moses, Tell Aaron, I don't want to see his tears. Because if he cries, I will deal with him. Listen to the next thing God said to Moses to tell Aaron. God said, tell him, I show I must be held holy and sanctified by those that are close to me. Those that are close to me. Why does the Bible say, to whom much is given? Much is required. Why? Because there are levels in God. You can't come to that level of closeness to God and not expect to take responsibility. In actual fact, the reason you even came there is because you took responsibility. So I'm saying that to imply that there are people that are closer to God than others. Deal with it. There is something you've got to do to come there. And if you're willing to pay the price to come there, you will. I said you will. You know, Catherine Kuhlman, when she was alive, the woman, that woman, amazing woman preacher that carried such glory when she would walk into the place, the presence of God would walk into the place with her. She said, young people, all you see is the glamour, but you don't see the price. You don't know the price I paid. All you see is when I come on the stage, you see the people see miracles, blind eyes open, all kinds of things happen. Oh, wow, what an amazing ministry. I wish God can use me in doing that. No, God will not use you until you pay the price to do that. There is a price to pay, my friends. Why would God anoint her like that and not other people? Because she paid the price. He said, I know the day Catherine died. You die to yourself, you die to your plan, you die to your purposes, you die to the flesh, and you come into the place of the glory of God, and that glory begins to flow out of you. And when people see it, they want to have it, but to have it, you've got to pay the price. I heard that, I think it was uh, Reinhard Bonnke. I don't know if you know Reinhard Bonnke. Someone said to a man of God, lay your hands on me and give me the anointing on your life. He laid his hands on the man and said, God, give him all my troubles. The man said, No, no, I want that. No, oh yeah, you don't have an idea. You want the anointing on this life, but you're not willing to do what it takes to come into it. What am I trying to say? There are levels. Everyone say there are levels. There are levels. Come on, say it like you mean it. There are, there, are there are levels. Talking about closeness. So I had to intentionally, we had to do what we had to do. We had to do what we had to do. Not for any any material benefit from any man. Because I've always convinced myself that I have always known I've got a ministry. The Lord began to show me stuff before I even met with Pastor Corey. And with all due respect and honor, he didn't call me. I said he didn't call me. God called me. Amen. And because he did not call me, he is not the one to open the doors for me. Amen. God is the one that opens the door to those that he calls. Amen. And I can give God glory because I know he has opened some amazing doors to me. Amen. Come on now, say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Come on now, say praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. But all the stuff we did, we did because we knew we had to be, we had to understand, we understood that we've got to give. We understood that we've got to sow into the life of this man of God. Or into the life of his family. And so we'll go there and do what we have to do. So I made myself available for him to use me. I want to say use me. use me. Oh my God. Today some people are complaining that oh nobody's using me. And the moment you start using them. They say they are using me too much. <laughs> What's wrong with some people? Jesus had John the beloved. John said, I am the disciple he loved. Not Peter. Not James. Not Bartholomew. Not Thaddeus. I am the one he loved. He wrote it in his gospel. I am the one he loved. There must be something about Peter and John. I'm sorry, John and Jesus. I am the one he loved. And John must have done something to come to that place. What of Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha, two sisters. When Lazarus was sick. They they called on Jesus. Jesus, please come and help us. Because your friend whom you love. Say it with me. Your friend whom you love. love. There was something about that family. There was something about that family. But the more I got closer to my pastor. See See, you've got the benefit of your sowing seeds, but then you also must be very careful how you relate with that man. Because familiarity breeds contempt. So you've got to, you can't become too familiar. That was the temptation. That was the temptation. You can't become too familiar where you now think, we're body bodies, we're rubbing shoulders. You also have to maintain that. But look at Korah. What did he do? Who do you think you are? Carrying yourself like a prince over the people. The congregation is holy. Everyone is holy. Everyone is good. Stop acting like our Lord. The third thing I want you to see is judgment. Everyone say Judgment. Notice how his family was destroyed with him. because one of the ways to put a curse on your household is running your mouth against the church and against the men of God. That's one of the ways to put watch this. The children and everyone in their families were swallowed up. Those kids were innocent. Those kids were innocent. Let me speak to parents. Last week, I had husbands and wives get up and I began to speak to, the, to you as couples. But let me speak to you now in respect to the decisions you make, how they affect your children. Don't be deceived. to think that you can make those bad choices and your children will not be affected. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about generational curses here. But even if we want to look at that, we've got to understand that the choices we make as parents are going to affect our children's destinies. She's 16. She's going to turn 17 in September. She's still under my custody. She's still under my roof. Choices that I make will affect her. That is the reason why we can be selfish. Parents, listen, If you don't understand what it means to be a parent, you're going to be a selfish person. Parenting your children requires that you are unselfish. Requires that you think about their future. When you're about to take that step, you think about how is this going to affect the destiny of my children. Do you know that even as members of this church, each one of you, that before I make decisions, I have to think about you? Oh, don't look at me. Look, look, look. Do you think I can just go anywhere? Do you think I can just do anything I want to do? You think I'm just living right because of God? I also have to live right because of you. I also have to live right because of you. The fear of, the, listen, the fear of God, you walk in it consciously, daily. Because your choices are not going to affect you alone. Your choices are going to affect people in the church. No man is an island. I'll give you a quick story. This was in the 80s. One to check. One to check. Can we give more volume on the house, please? Because I came here and I noticed it was too low. In the 80s, two American men of God. These were... These were the top men of God in America. I wouldn't mention names, but they both fell into sin. The top, when I say top, I mean mean top, in the ages. They fell into sin. And one of them was locked up in prison for what he had done. So as he was in prison, a younger preacher went to see him in prison. You know when I say great men of God? I mean, top, top men of God. A younger preacher goes to prison to see this man of God who was locked up in prison because of the financial issues that he had with the ministry. The younger minister visits him and asks him a question. Listen to the question he asked this great man of God. He said to him, When did you stop loving God? The man of God, the great man of God in prison said, I never stopped loving God. Younger preacher said, you can't say it. What do you mean you never stopped loving God? You never stopped loving God and you did all those evil stuff you did? He said, I never stopped loving God. I stopped fearing God. Mm -mm -mm. He said to him, there are many in the churches in America that love God, but they don't fear God. The love of God don't keep you. The fear of God keeps you. I love God. Do you fear God? The love of God is not what keeps you from sin. It's the fear of God. The the, the love of God is not what keeps you in the marriage. It's the fear of God. The the love of God is not what brings you to church. It's the fear of God. Oh my God. Can I go on? See, it is not. praise God for the love of God. But I told you, of all the Christian virtues and character that you can develop and cultivate, nothing compares to the fear of God. Nothing. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You don't even have wisdom. It says it's the beginning. So there is no wisdom without the fear of God. I am propelled by the fear of God. I avoid stuff because of the fear of God. There are places I can go, not because people don't go there, but the fear of God. The fear of God. When the fear of God is in your life, you, you don't need people to call you and correct you. The fear of God will correct you. The man said, I did not lose the love of God. I lost the fear of God. And there are many in the churches in America, he told the young preacher, that have the love of God, but they don't have the fear of God. May God burn his fear into your heart today. May God do a work in your heart today so that the fear of God will be put on the inside of you every waking moment, even in your business, on a Monday, on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the fear of God is burning in your life and you're living your life to the glory of God. The fear of God. Fear of God. Watch how this man's family is destroyed. Watch how his bad choice has ruined his family. Watch how his children are buried into the pit. Watch how the fire destroyed them because of the nonsense that he got himself involved in. Listen, as a husband, you had the head. You, you know when you have a train and you have the engine? The engine pulls the coaches. You know what I mean? You are the engine. It is where the engine goes to that the coaches follow. As long as the engine is moving, the coaches will follow. You, the husband, you are the engine. And don't think that you will make choices secretly or you do stuff secretly and it won't. The Bible says there is nothing hidden that will not be exposed. Nothing. They may not be exposed for everyone to see, but you've opened the door to the enemy to infiltrate your family. So when I'm about to make choices, I'm thinking about my wife. I've got to think about her. I've got to think about children. I've got to think about the church. How many of you will be glad to hear that you found me drinking beer? Or somebody find, find, finds me drinking, drinking beer. Now you, some of you laugh, but some of you drink beer. But if I go drink beer, you will not come to this church again. I'm preaching to thank you. If you see me drinking beer, you won't come to this church. That pastor that drinks beer, they are all the same. You know what I'm saying, but you drink, some of you drink beer, some of you drink wine. And I'm not saying it to beat you up or condemn you, but it's a fact. You will stop coming if you found me drinking. Why must the pastor not drink and you but others can <laughs> Come on now, preaching good. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Why is it the pastor cannot have a side chick? <laughs> selfishness. selfishness. Someone says selfishness. <laughs> pastor cannot have a side chick. But, but. <laughs> thank you very much. Bless God. Yesterday. A woman referred to my daughter as my as my girl, as my as my uh, (laughs) Save (laughs) Gili. A woman. (laughs) Irene, come up here. (laughs) Come. This is my daughter. She's not my girlfriend. Okay. But the woman saw us and she said, Oh, your girlfriend is very beautiful. When we told this story to my wife, she said, are you that young? <laughs> I, I, do you look that young that somebody would think that's your girlfriend? No, that's not my girlfriend. That's my daughter. She's 16. But why is it that other people can have side chicks? Huh? But no, the pastor, you cannot. Pastor, how can you have? How can you do that? No, you cannot. And yes, we cannot. I said we cannot. Come on, I'll say amen. Amen. The Bible says that you are you are an epistle read by all men. Oh my God! You don't know. People are watching. They are watching. That's what Jesus said in, the, in his teaching, the, the teaching on the mount of the Beatitudes. He said, you are like a house on the mountain that cannot be hid. Right? You look at a house on the mountain and you look at those in the valley, people don't see the one in the valley. People see the one on the mountain. Oh, look at that house. You cannot be hid. And that is the reason why everything you do is exposed. They say a man that lives in a glass house does not throw stones. But the fear of God. All of this is not. This is not. This is not uh, giving you a bunch of rules and regulations. This is not giving you a bunch of religious rules. No, the fear of God is what keeps us. It keeps us. Before I speak about people, I think. And if someone comes to talk to me about somebody, I want to. I want to. See, you've got to learn how to pick the spirit behind the conversation. What did I say? Pick up the spirit behind the conversation. It's either a critical spirit or a genuine spirit that truly wants to help. If you don't know the spirits behind the conversation, you're going to go into that conversation and you're going to open up the door to the enemy into your own life. So, if I notice it's a critical spirit, listen, I don't want to be involved in conversations that are. I mean, why do you even want to speak about people in that manner? Why? 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 Why do you want to sit in your office in Osmambi and talk about Pastor? what's wrong with people the bible says because of all these now i'm just talking about the third thing judgment What was a judgment Be, but the bible says because you do not discern the body of the lord for that reason you die young And many of you are weak. And many of you are sickly. Because you do not do what? Discern Discern the body. Not the head. The body. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the head. The body is the church. Right here, this is the body. Jesus is the head. So because you do not discern the body, or you do not treat the body well, you run your mouth against the ministry. You run your mouth against your brother in the Lord, against your sister in the Lord, criticizing, speaking negatively, against people in the church, against the ministry, against the minister. The Bible says, for that reason, many of you are weak, and many of you are sick, and many of you are dying before your time. That's judgment. So the next time somebody wants to open their big mouth and speak against your brother in Christ, against your sister in Christ, tell them to hold it. I'm not ready to die. I'm not ready to be sick. I want to do, listen, my wife, I believe she'll, she'll tell you, when, Listen, I, when I'm believing God for something, sometimes speaking becomes difficult. The Bible says in the book of James, when you see a man who is able to control his tongue, he can control his entire body. But you see those who can't control their tongue, they're always talking. always. That, 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 that. The Bible even describes them in the book of James that, uh, no, Jude. It talks about those that are not even afraid to speak against dignitaries. He said even Moses did not speak against Lucifer. He said, I mean, the angel, angel, the angel. Sorry, did not speak against Lucifer. Rather, he said, because when, uh, when, the, when, the, when, the, when, the devil was contending for the body of Moses, it says even angel, angel Michael did not speak against Lucifer. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He did not do it on his own with his own authority. He said, the Lord rebuke you, Lucifer. Said, so, but you have people, they have, they don't have, they just bring the talk, they begin to talk, this one did this, that one did that, they just no talk. This is my principle. If I don't like what you're doing, I'm gonna to come to you. You and I. We might box, but it's gonna be you and I. And we're gonna finish it there and we leave. Are you listening to me? If we can resolve it, praise God. If we cannot resolve it, what can I do? Cannot resolve it would not be based on me, I promise you. No, listen. We want to grow. We don't want to keep acting like babies. Complaining and and just looking for faults. And listen, even if you even if there are legitimate reasons. Because there are cases where there are legitimate reasons. Remember the <laughs> I think it's Acts chapter, where is that, where Dickens were raised. Acts chapter 6, chapter 6, right? Yeah, in Acts chapter 6, the Bible says that there there was a complaint, right? Because some of the widows were left out in the daily distribution of supply. The complaint was legit. Sorry, I shouldn't say complaint was legit. The, The situation was legit, but the complaint was wrong. So even when there is a legitimate case, maybe the pastor did something or not did not did not do something, or maybe your brother or your sister or the ministry did not do something, it could be an oversight. Go to him, go to her. They shouldn't be complaining because that is the reason why many died in the wilderness. And when you come over to the book of First Corinthians, Paul actually talked about that. He said, Because they were complaining and all of this, they were beaten by serpents and they died. Look at what the fear of God has helped me to do. <laughs> Pastor, say something. <laughs> no, not saying nothing. Not saying nothing. I'm not saying nothing. I'm not saying what? No. I'm not saying anything. How about you're stupid? Oh well, that's your opinion. That's your opinion. I'm not saying nothing. And even if I want to say anything, I go confront the person. Right? we are going to deal. Let's do with it. Henry, um, I want to talk to you about this. These are the things. These are the things. I put them all on the table. I met with a pastor a number of years ago. One of the pastors in the city. I won't mention the name. I met with him. I said, you will get to know me as we build this relationship. But I don't sweep things under the carpet. And I gave him, boom, 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 boom. These are the things you've done. I'm putting them on the table. Let's deal with them. And when we deal with them, we finish, we hug, praise God, today we are friends. But I'm not going to pretend as if nothing happened. And hey, 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 see on the, people see you, ha ha, how are you, man of God, man of God. You know, it's just lip service. Lip service in your heart is not a man of God. Hey, sister, how are you? <laughs> but they live in your heart, you know, you know what you do. That is, these are the things the fear of God will remove from our lives. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. The fear of God will get rid of all this stuff. The fear of God will get rid of all this stuff. And let me also say this, verse, I get on the piano. Listen, no perfect relationship. Do you, do you know what I just said now? Do you understand what I just said? There is no perfect relationship. In your relationships, you're going to have issues. No relationship is perfect. If the relationship between Jesus and the people he came to save was not perfect, who do you think you are? Are you better than Jesus? But I've I've seen over the years, over the years, Pastor Corey said to me, I just, just sleep though. They may not handle. Some people may not. They don't want. They don't need to even hear it. Say, someone said, the, "The fear of God." Over the years, I've seen even the innocent. Someone said, "The innocent." Innocent people pick up other people's rubbish, and it pollutes them. One moment, you are great. You're doing well with the ministry. You're doing well with your brother and sister. You're doing well with the pastor. And then people start talking, and it begins to get in, begins to get in, begins to get in. And you've got what we call your ear gate. And as it gets through your ear gates, it affects your heart. It pollutes your heart. Have you noticed that when someone comes to talk to you about somebody else, even though you haven't met them, if they speak negatively about them, you already have a critical attitude even before you met them. And the moment you see them, there's something in you that's judging them, even though you've not heard from them. Why? Because you were polluted during the conversation. If everyone here will learn to say, I'm not, listen, 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 hey, 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 let's stop that now. We're not going to have that conversation. We're not going to have that conversation. And you know where this thing is worse? It's with couples. Oh my God. Oh my God. Couples. Husbands and wives. Because I think in that place of, you know, freedom, they can just say whatever they want. Husbands and wives. (laughs) Shut up. Husbands and wives. It's worse with them. Praise God. Lord, put your fear in us today. None of us have arrived. Lord, burn your fear in us. Lift your hands to Him. None of us have arrived. Lord, put your fear in us. May the spirit of the fear of God be placed in us today. Put your fear in us. Put a fear in us. Put your fear in us. Put your fear in us. May we be quick to hear but slow to speak. Put your fear in us. Get rid of all the critical, critical attitude that is in you. Get rid of all of that. Say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Take out all this all these things in me that shouldn't be there. And Lord, every bad seed that has been sown, that's producing a harvest. Lord, I pray that you give me a crop failure. Crop failure. May, May the harvest stop. In the case of Korah, he was gone. And if you notice, you notice... Even though Korah was gone, the, 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 the criticism and the evil of Korah had infiltrated the camp. The next day, the people rose up against the man of God. So oh, Moses, you've killed God's people. No, it wasn't Moses who killed them. They died because of the evil of their ways. I pray in Jesus' name over you right now. That the Spirit of God begin to do a work in you. To bring about a change, a transformation. And sometimes these things that people say are things they don't fully understand. You've got to go to the source. You've got to go to the source. Find out from the source. So Lord, I pray you would do a work in each one. Bring about a change, a transformation. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone say amen.